Joining me now, for some ungodly reason, live from PNC Park, from DKPittsburghSports.com, it's Serbian Reactionary Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, we hear about problems with COVID testing with several MLB teams. What's going on with the Pirates in that regard? Now, the Pirates, meaning the component of the Pirates that's here in Pittsburgh and at PNC Park right now, uh, aren't having those issues. They're happening with some other teams, uh, St. Louis, Washington. Uh, but the Pirates have had an issue with testing as it relates to their satellite camp in Altoona. And all this is about, really, it's not all that complicated. It's, it's, it's a delay. It's a drag. Major League Baseball converted all of their PED laboratories in Utah from checking for steroids to checking for coronavirus. And basically what ended up happening, this is the part that's embarrassing for, for MLB, is that, you know, those people out there took the weekend off because it was the 4th of July. So they had all these tests sitting out there and nobody was processing them. And it took a while for some of them to get back. Uh, Nick Birdie and Jamison Tyon of the Pirates both spoke here today about uh, an increased urgency and needing, needing testing to happen, uh, you know, more quickly so that, you don't see things slow down. Mark, the part that I can't wrap my head around is, and, and, and watching these guys right here in front of me playing play catch, is that they have a game in 14 days in St. Louis, and this, what we're looking at, doesn't look anything at all like spring training. And the reason I say that is that they need the every day of practice. They can't afford to be having, never mind the safety issues, they actually need to be preparing for baseball. Well, uh, let's see if they have a game in two weeks in St. Louis, although I, I remain hopeful. And Dejan, if they converted the steroid testing labs to COVID testing, it seems to me it's time to hit the juice and go deep. Now, why are the Pirates making two trips to St. Louis? Why don't they play all six games in one trip to minimize travel? And it's not just them, and it's not just St. Louis. The schedule seems awful clumsy in that regard. Yeah, the whole thing is stupid. Um, I, I'll give you a, a better example later in the month. The Pirates fly, and I'm underscoring fly, to Minneapolis for two games in 24 hours against the Twins. It's a Monday night and a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, what was the point of that? Really, what are you doing? Um, it's 60 games, and I said this back at the time uh, when they were deliberating what kind of schedules to have. It's just 60 games. They could have just stayed within the NL Central. It would have been, it would have been different. It would have been a lot of the same teams, but it also would have been fun in that regard. Nothing other than Cubs, Cardinals, you name it. You know what I mean? Stay right there, Brewers and Reds. Uh, no one would have complained. Uh, no one would have cared if there was a diversity on the schedule, much less, like you said, having multiple trips. The Major League Baseball computer that, that creates this schedule, of course it has to be signed off by humans, uh, could have easily said, you know what, we're not doing three-game, two-game series. We're going to do nothing other than five-game, six-game series. But, yeah, the Pirates are in St. Louis, in Bush Stadium, twice separate trips uh, in the span of a few days. And as a result, they have to go on planes, buses, hotels, and all these other protocols just to pull that off for absolutely no reason and to no benefit. Uh, Derek Shelton seems very confident in his middle infield. Why is that, and do you agree? Well, I mean, the number one reason is that he's got Kevin Newman at shortstop coming off a, a, a rookie of the year finalist type of year. Adam Frazier uh, had the fourth best 
on-base plus slugging percentage among second basemen in the National League, and he was a finalist for Gold Glove. Some metrics show that he should have won the Gold Glove. Uh, beyond that, the other reason that he likes his middle infield is that if either of those two guys go down, he's got Cole Tucker capable of filling in at either spot. Cole Tucker arguably should be competing for a starting job. Uh, so that's that's the reason, Mark. I like it, too. You don't? Why are you asking it like that? Well, I think the whole team stinks except for like two or three oh, guys. give me a break. You, give me a break. How many games you are going to win, Dejan? I know you don't like the bet it? because that would involve backing up your grandiose predictions, but how many games do you think they're going to win? I, I could see the team finishing over 30, and as a result, I think you could see them contending. I really do. Mark, it's 60 games. Throw uh, all the normal type of predictions out the window here. It's 60 where were they after sixty last year? They were one under. I'll Where give you. I'll give you. I'll give you over. Under. I'll give you over twenty five wins. My hundred bucks against your ten. Yeah, you know I'm not doing money. I don't do money on anything. Right, uh, thirty wins. Give me a break. Uh, no, I don't hate their middle <laughs> infield, but I mean I don't think it's great either. Uh, and what about this piggybacking thing with Cole and Brault? Uh, three innings, then three innings. It seems a bit presumptuous to think. Either guy is going to get through three innings. Why not just pick one? Well, I don't like it, and, and it's actually part of the col- column that I'm writing from here today. Uh, I think you you know there's certain things about baseball that have changed over the years. There's going to be a lot that changes this year, including strategically with all the new rules. But I also think that when you give a starter the ball, uh, it's his ball until, until he loses it. I don't like the idea of somebody going out there, whether it's Brault or Cool or anybody else, pitching three really good innings and then saying, all right, give me the ball, it's Brault's turn. Um, that's just not the way baseball's been played for far too long. Um, I understand that if Chad Cool shows well here, and again, this is really hard to tell, Mark, they're throwing sim games, you know. Uh, if Chad Cool shows well here, he's still coming off Tommy John, so there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, Brault is coming off a, a minor injury from back in spring training, so I really don't think this will come to pass. I don't. I, I think if Brault shows that he's healthy, I think it's going to be his job. And Cool can come in in long relief and see what he can show, and maybe he can work his way into the rotation ahead of either Brault or Derek Holland. Uh, if the Pirates and Penguins are playing at the same time and the Steelers are at camp, how much attention will be paid to Pirates? Uh, I mean, we're talking about you're talking about media attention because that's all that really you can count, right? Is, is anybody going to turn on the TV if there, if if there's all three of them are playing games? If the Penguins and Pirates are playing the same night, which which could well happen, although who knows for how long? Because the Penguins are in a playoff and the Pirates are in a two month season. Yeah, I mean the Penguins being in the playoffs are, are going to win. The Penguins are they do get better ratings than the Pirates, but you probably know this that the Pirates get some of the best TV ratings in all of Major League Baseball locally. Um, a lot of that's because of the older generation uh, that that still tunes in to watch baseball in our region, and we do have a significant older generation here. But if you're going head to head between playoffs and regular season, uh, you know, and the fact that the Penguins are expected to be contenders, I mean, this is this is a little bit too easy, don't you think? Well, no, I just think it's a logical thing to ask because the Pirates, I mean, you think they're going to be good. I think they might be historically bad. You say they're going to win 30. I think they might be closer to 20. Why do you think that, though? You just say it, and you don't ever back it up. Like, why? Why do you think that? Because their pitching stinks. They don't have anything resembling a number one or a number two, maybe a number three starter. Maybe. Yeah, but a number one starter went out in about 1975. You just need four guys who can pitch. They have Joe Musgrove, Trevor Williams. 
What happened to you? I'm, I'm actually talking facts, and all you no, no, you're not. The, Dejan, the vast majority of baseball people, of which I am not one, would agree with me. Uh-huh. Back it up with something, then say something. They I just did. That's Their pictures stink. What do you that's want me to say beyond that? Actually, but that's actually not accurate. It just isn't. Okay, do they have I mean, a number one starter? And don't answer it by saying that number one starter thing went out a long time ago. Okay, but it did, and no, they don't have a number one. You're right, they're going to be great. Let's talk about the Penguins. I think they've got got a handful of guys that are basically number threes. I also think that doesn't matter as long as all of them pitch like number threes. Then they'll be fine. Yep, they're going to win 100 games in a 60-game season. Now, the the, the Penguins are scheduled to open camp next week, and uh, I'm convinced the pause may wind up helping the Penguins more than any other team. What say you? I'm worried about it, Mark. Uh, I'll tell you why. Um, so the Pirates are going to win 30, but you're worried about the Penguins. It's, it's a different context. Yeah. When you go into a, when you go into a game one, look, I think the Penguins, all right, here, have it your way. This is what I actually think. I think the Penguins either could or should be a favorite to come out of the East and win the Stanley Cup. So I'll start with that, okay? The part that worries me is game one. I, I don't like the. I, I I think that the Penguins have a lot of work to do in camp to make sure that they're completely primed for Game One. If they don't win Game One and they're looking around that locker room and they see Patrick Marlowe with his last chance, uh, the luck that they ended up with and getting Jake Gensel back and somehow still having Jason Zucker in the lineup, there's a lot of pressure. And if you'll remember, that's kind of how that locker room felt around Jerome Ginla time where it was like, wow, we have to win it. We have to win it, as opposed to 2016 and 2017, especially the latter, when they weren't expected to win it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I, team, I think I, I think that the rough edges have probably been sanded down by 2016 and 17. You would hope so, certainly for the core guys. The core guys, it's, it's really on them, and it's not just Sid, Gino, and Latang. It's Patrick Hornquist, Brian Dumoulin, the guys that are the, the, the real noisemakers in the room. Uh, they're the ones that have to make sure that game one is seen as a life and death thing because the Canadians are going to enter this thing exactly the way they should, like la-di-da. If we win this thing, it'll be a lot of fun. Let's see what Carey Price can do, and let's see who can pop a couple goals and, and have a blast. There's no pressure on them, none. If you can picture saying that about that particular franchise, this is the year. They're the 24th team in a 2014 tournament. See, I think uh, Montreal they, will react differently. I think they'll roll over and die the minute the Penguins start I, to I, play I, them. You might be right. I mean, it's not it's not a particularly good hockey team. and But the Penguins have to be prepared for it. They can't presume that game one will be something that just skates in their direction. We're talking today, Jean Kovacevic, brought to you by Walnut Grill, American Eatery and Bar. Uh, is Matt Murray a worry? I've been talking on the show about how Carey Price's numbers weren't great this year, but Matt Murray's were worse. Um, I guess we're going to know in camp to some extent. Uh, we know what Matt Murray looks like, even in practices and drills, whenever he's on top of his game. Um, not that I think anything could happen there that would have Mike Sullivan start Jari over him, uh, but I think it would, it would at least be a sign for alarm. And again, I'm swinging back to game one. And Murray would probably go out there in game two, even if they lost game one, because you don't want to look like you're panicking right away. Uh, is he a worry? No. If, if he continues playing the way he did in late February and early March, uh, if you remember how good he was, in particular in their very last game, the one in Newark where they beat the Devils, uh, I thought he was outstanding. Uh, that's other than one bad goal uh, that, that happened in the third period, that you'll recall. Uh, 
he's going to be the guy one way or another. And and it, it, is he a worry? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we've debated Sherry being on Sid's line before, which is going to happen. But what's your plan B if Sherry doesn't produce for a couple games? Let, let's say Sherry gets no points in the first two games, doesn't look great, and the Penguins split the games. What's your plan B? Well, I don't think I don't think you'll see him come off if he gets no points. I, I think you'll come off if you see that you know that he's not helping sustain an attack. That's generally Mike Sullivan's uh, approach. Uh, that that's his criteria when it comes to playing alongside Sid. Which, by the way, and you knew I was going to bring this up, is why a lot of them like having Dominic Simone there because he helps sustain the attack, even though he doesn't produce points. If Sherry does help them stay in the offensive zone and pressure Montreal's uh, defense. Uh, I think you'll see Sullivan stay with him, even if he doesn't score. Uh, if he isn't on that line eventually, and I agree with you, he will start out there, uh, you'll see Jason Zucker up there, no doubt in my mind. And Gensel would move to right wing? I, I'm not sure which of them would move. I, I think that would be more... Uh, well, Gensel has. Like Zucker Jason. never has played right wing, to my knowledge. Yeah, so that that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking, too. So, you know, you'd want to put talk to them and see where they'd be most comfortable and kind of kind of leave that in the players' hands. But you're right, Sherry's going to be there. It's a matter of where do you put Zucker? You want him on the second line and putting the future Hall of Famer, Patrick Marlowe, on the third line. Uh, yeah, he's washed up. Anyway, how great is the TV schedule? <laughs> it's going to be like March Madness. Hockey all day, every day. Dejan, NHL hockey is going to be on TV from noon till about 11.30 at night every day at the beginning. How great is that? Uh, it, it could be. Uh, have you heard? Are they alternating venues? Is that how that's working? So, like one. Well, day no. The way I understand day? it, there's going to be a game at twelve and four and 12, eight four at and each eight. venue. But don't forget about the time change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's what I'm thinking here: is that one day will be Toronto, the other day will be Edmonton, meaning the venues. Oh no! I think um, they might be playing. No, they're going to play both venues on the same day. Oh, jeez. Of course they are. They got days, and there's a lot of games to play. You can't. You yeah, can't no, have a, no, I know. You can't have an empty venue. No, I mean, it'll be great, and at the same time, it's also not going to be great because you know and I know that hockey in the first couple of games is going to be absolutely atrocious. Yeah, but you we're know, not going to know the difference because of enthusiasm to see it. Right, but the enthusiasm could also contribute to it being atrocious because people are going to try passes that they have absolutely no business trying when they're not sharp yet. Um, Hell, Gino does man, that half the time anyway. I know, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is why I keep coming back to game one. You know, game one is going to be... Oh, there's the no question. In a, in a best of yeah. five, game one means five times Huge. what it does in the best of seven. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, I I have no confidence that American sports will be played to a conclusion. Uh, but I will say, if the NHL teams make it to the bubbles in Canada, if, if they don't screw themselves by not being in quarantine during training, if they get to those bubbles in Canada... I bet this works. How confident yeah, I, are you that the teams can control the pandemic during camp without quarantine? Well, the guys I'm looking at right here in front of me, and the Pirates are doing infield drills here at DNC Park, have the toughest road because the players insisted on uh, wanting to use their home ballparks and to travel as if it were a normal season. So if they can pull that off, then the NHL and the NBA absolutely can pull it off in respective bubbles, and the NFL, if they somehow avoid having a preseason, will be able to delay things that much more. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to happen. I think this can happen. I think there's one thing that can undo it. Optics. I keep coming back to that. 
Every time there's a name somewhere, oh, so-and-so has coronavirus or so-and-so pulled out or opted out or whatever euphemism they're using for these guys that are quitting, that's a situation where someone's going to say, oh, no, what's going to happen to sports? And they're doing it every time. But you know what? They're still out here. They're still out here practicing. They're still following all the procedures. Yeah, that's for now. That's for now. Uh, I think baseball's going to cap inside of two weeks. it's only safer now. You said that yourself. It's only safer now. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I hope you're right. I'm not one of those guys who works in sports media that wants to close sports down for the greater good. I've never been known for giving a frig about the greater good, even though everybody should wear a mask. Now, here's a quick Steeler question. What number will be higher? Ben Roethlisberger's touchdown passes, or how many takeaways the defense gets? Oh, boy. I mean, I would hope it's Ben's TD passes because it's more controllable. I mean, is that a fair answer? Well, yeah, but the I defense mean, got 38 takeaways last year, too. No, they, they, they did, but they're not going to. You and I agree on this, and we've talked about it before. Uh, it's an oblong ball. It's got to bounce the way it bounced into Devin Bush's hands, the way it ricocheted off Joe Hayden into Minka Fitzpatrick's hands. Uh, it, there's a lot that goes into takeaways and a lot of it's luck. Yes, the Steelers are outstanding at getting their hands on the football. Yes, that'll help them, even if it's just a pass defense instead of an interception. But takeaways are hard to control. Touchdown passes, on the other hand, you show me an offense. If Ben throws 35 touchdown passes, the Steelers are a big Super Bowl contender. Let's put it that way, because the quality of the defense will be good with or without the takeaways. Could the Pirates beat the Steelers? <laughs> they once were the same thing. Dejan, great stuff. Thank you for joining. We'll do it again <laughs> next week. That's Dejan Kovacevic, clinically insane about the Pirates. Actually, pretty much ill-advised about a lot of things, but he's good radio.